We're doing good. We're doing good. Hey, do me a favor. Hug your neighbor. Say you look gorgeous. You look good. You know you look good. Any opportunity to get away from children on a Friday day is a good day for me. Like, bye, go to school, especially when I get ahead out of town. See you later. Uh, my name's April. My husband and I pastor Together Church in Yakima. It's an hour, a little over an hour east of here, for those of you that may not know, maybe from another city. Um, my pastor so kindly refers to Yakima as the armpit of Washington. Um, we try to say that it's more like the honeymoon destination, but that has not flown very well. It works well when we travel like to the south or the east coast because they have no concept of what Yakima is. So we'll say it's a honeymoon destination and they're like, oh, and then we say, just kidding, it's the armpit of Washington. It's like, oh, um, we've been born and raised there. My husband and I met in high school, have kind of a crazy testimony. Um, I might get into that a little bit and share with you. Um, I've got three sons. One is almost 20. He's at Highlands College in Alabama. And then I have a senior in high school that's 17. And then I have an 11-year-old who's in middle school. And he is the boss of my house. He controls everything and everyone. And his dad lets him do it. So however he ends up, and hopefully he doesn't end up in jail. If he does, we're blaming it on his dad. Not me, but he's actually the most like me, but he is the boss. Um, I want to say this about, about your pastor, those of you from the garden, and I know we have visiting churches here, um, but Pastor Shelby is probably one of the most genuine women I've ever met. Um, her and I just had lunch earlier this week, and just the kindness in who she is and just the sweet spirit of a person genuinely loves you as women and wants so bad to bring you together and to raise you up to have a, an honest, like, loving relationship with God. She's not about hype. She's not about cool. Um, walked into this facility, and it's absolutely gorgeous. I tried to not be green with envy. I'm not going to lie. It's so beautiful. Um, but beyond the beautiful building and beyond, you know, beautiful three sons and three gorgeous daughter-in-laws and that cutie baby girl that I may take home with me, she genuinely has a heart for God and a heart for this house. So Shelby, thank you for just being so sweet and letting me into your world and allowing me to be on your platform. I don't take it lightly. As pastors, how many pastors' wives do we have in here? I know we've got quite a few. Um, you know what it's like to bring in people onto your platform and you're trusting them with something so precious to you. And I don't want to take that for granted. So thank you for having me. I'm going to pray. God, thank you for bringing us together as women. God, I pray today that this would be a word that would sink deep, with, deep within our heart. Jesus, that you would change us and transform us, that you would make us more like you. God, I come against any type of distraction, any type of frustration. God, I even pray that throughout this message, if there's areas of bitterness or unforgiveness in our heart, that you would bring those things to surface and we'd be able to deal with them. God, I pray as women, we would learn to build one another and love one another, not tear each other down, that it's not a competition. So God, change us throughout this message. In Jesus' name, amen. In 2016, we had, or sorry, not 2016, um, no, what's 2016? 2016, we had a presidential campaign. I promisely, I'm not going to be political today. I will not do that, especially with everything going on. I'm not going to do that. But in 2016, there were two candidates that were running for president of the United States. And one of the candidates had this slogan that said, I'm with her. And everywhere you would go around the United States, there would be groups of people who would hold up this sign, I'm with her. And it blew my mind that there were so many women willing to align with one woman that they did not know her character off the stage. I'm not saying it's bad or good. I'm just giving the facts. They didn't personally know her. They hadn't sat across from dinner tables from her. They hadn't hung out with her daughter or her husband. They knew nothing privately about her, but were willing to publicly go up front with signs saying, I'm with her. They identified with her. They wanted her to lead them. And these women were 
were willing to follow someone that they had no necessarily even common ground with, but just simply trust in saying, whatever she's saying, whatever she's doing, I'm with her. And it shocked me. Because we live in a world where we don't even do that with our own friends. We don't do that with our moms. We don't do that with our pastor's wives. We don't do that with the people we volunteer with in church. We have a hard time as women aligning with other women. And I see it more often in the church than in the world. The world has no problem aligning with people. But we see in the church we have a hard time coming along other people via competition, via I'm not too sure. We are more guarded. We're more discerning. So we have a hard time wanting to align ourselves or come behind people and saying I'm with her. And I watched this campaign go on, and it blew my mind how many people were really, like, banking their own reputation to say publicly, I'm with her. They were okay with her decision-making, though they'd never seen her make a decision. They were okay with how she raised her, ch- her daughter without even knowing how that looked over the years. They were okay with how she was a spouse. They were okay with them running their entire world, banking everything on a person they did not know. Now, my question to you is, when was the last time you confidently, without competition, got behind another woman and said, I'm with her? I don't know if we're totally transparent how often we enter these types of room confidently and say, I'm with her. How do I know? Because there's seat gaps in here. Well, that, what are you saying? Because people aren't here? No, because you didn't want to sit by a person a couple seats down, so you left a seat gap. Because it's awkward. I don't know you. You don't know me. It's like being in a movie theater. But this is not the movie theater. This is a church. But we enter churches the same way we enter a movie theater, which is, I don't know you. You don't know me. Not realizing we're probably more alike than what we think. This isn't a movie theater. This is a house of God. And you've got women beside you right now going through the very same things that you're going through. No, their age is 10 years older or 10 years younger. No, their skin color's different. They have better shoes on than you. Their eyebrows are on fleek. They got their eyelashes done. And you're wishing you had yours done. Like, I get it. And we come in these rooms and we're so quick to size each other up before we even get to know the person sitting there. How do I know? Because I do it. I've been a pastor's wife now for 13 years, and I avoid green rooms like the plague. I avoid it. And I used to say it's because it's so catty or they do this or they do that. No, 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 no. Really, that's not what it is. It's I'm so insecure and don't know how to be confident in me to enter rooms as myself that I avoid them. And I put it off as if something's wrong with them when the truth is something's wrong with me. We enter this room. How many of you, if you're really honest, made yourself available to someone you didn't know in the room to introduce yourself, to ask how they're doing, to ask about their life? If we're honest, those of you that don't know the pastor's wives in the front row probably haven't even said hi to them. Not because they're pastor's wives, but we don't go out of our way to support one another, to know one another, to reach across enemy lines, so to speak, to have a conversation. And so I remember one time I was at this large church in Seattle, and there was probably, oh goodness, 3,000 women at this event. That is like, like the worst. I mean, God was so kind giving me three sons and not three daughters. Like he knew, like, I love boys, I love my husband, but there is this competition part of me, this insecure part of me that when I get around women, I don't know how to act. And so instead of just saying, you know, I'm really nervous and insecure, I'd rather just judge them, have opinions about them, be frustrated by them. And so years ago, there was this conference, there was 3,000 people there. 
And we get there, and one of my sessions, sessions was with all pastor's wives. Oh, my gosh. That's like putting a water on witch in The Wizard of Oz. Like, I'm like, melty. Like, oh, I don't want to go. And, and so I bring some women with me because I want to expose them to other women. Like, you need women relationships even though I don't want them. And so I'm like, girls, you're coming with me, and we're going to lead by example as I'm cowering in the corner. And so they get all their breakout sessions, and they all, like, disperse. Like, they all go. And I get to the end of the stairs of this long, long hallway, and I'm looking. I'm like, I'm not going. I am not going in that room. And the great thing is none of the girls are brought, I brought or even though I didn't go. And so I'm at the end of the stairs doing what some of you do, which is pulling out your cell phone, and I'm going to find, oh, my son needs me. I need to take this call outside. Or I'm going to go scroll through social media acting like I'm important, but I'm really just so nervous and don't know how to have conversation that I'm going to act like I'm so busy. Oh, I'm sorry. I need to check my email. So I'm going to look through my email. And so I did this, and I'm at the bottom of the stairs, and I'm really, like, totally confident I am failing. I'm going to my car. My son had an emergency, and we're going to go deal with this outside. And I'm standing there, and one of the girls I brought with me comes walking over. Hey, Pastor April. Hi. What are you doing out here? She's like, oh, I just grabbed lunch and went to the bathroom heading into my session. What are you doing? Oh, uh, just waiting to go up to my session that started five minutes ago. And she's like, yeah, are, are you excited? Mm, praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. I am so excited to be surrounded by women right now. You have no idea. Yes, I cannot wait. Awesome. Where are you going? Yep, I'm going right now. So I walk up the stairs. I'm going down this hallway with phone in hand, and I'm scrolling endlessly like someone please post something else because I've seen your face five times, and I need something else to look at. And so I'm walking down this hallway, and I'm like, oh, God, oh, God. I walk in the room, and it was like the worst moment. These women were dressed to the nines. Some of them had scarves all tied up and their nails all done. At this time, I had a mohawk, y'all, like shaved sides, bleached out mohawk probably denim on, heels. I walk in, I'm like, wow, one of these things is not like the other, and it's me. <laughs> and I was like, oh gosh, Lord, this has got to be a bad joke. And so they're all talking across the table, and of course, none of them are like, hey girl, want to sit with me? They're just as insecure as me. So they're locked into their little bubbles and their little private conversations, to which I'm like, see God, this is why I don't do this because they all judged me. They see my mohawk and they don't know me. Really, what was I doing? I was judging them. They could care less that I even got in the room. And I had already had this whole scenario, this write-up for CNN and the New York Times to express why pastor's wives are so awful. And so I walk in the room and I'm like, can I sit by you? She's like, sure, sit down. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I hate this so much until I open my mouth. And I begin to realize, wait a second, you're 60 but we actually have similarities. Oh, wait, wait a minute. You're dressed like this, but we're actually the same. It ended up being one of the best times I have, and I didn't even want to leave the room. When we come to events like this and conferences like this, most of us will not go unless we have a friend. It's like phone a friend. I'm not going by myself. I'm not. We tell women, just come. You'll meet someone. No, you won't. No, you won't because you're not introducing yourself to someone, and I'm definitely not introducing myself to you. So we lied. We just wanted registration to go up. We know that you're not going to make a friend. I'm kidding. But the truth is most of you will not come to an environment if you don't know somebody. 
We don't go to the movies by ourselves. We're not going to dinner by ourselves. How embarrassing to walk into a place. We go to the bathroom in pairs. We don't want to go anywhere alone. Yet there are tons of women dying for healthy relationships, and we restrict them. We don't want to get in the world. We don't want to be part of what they're doing for our own insecure reasons. When's the last time you just wanted her to win? In that political campaign, they just wanted her to win. I'm with her. I'm behind you. I'll post. I'll argue. I'll fight. I'll do whatever it takes to get you on top because I want you to win. When's the last time you had a knockout drag fight for someone, another woman, just to win? Not because of what it could give you, not because of what you get out of it, but simply just wanting someone else to win. The problem is we're so busy competing, we don't know how to complete, we don't know how to lift each other's arms. And I'm the ultimate competitor, that's probably why God gave me boys, because me and my daughters would like go toe-to-toe, I'm already knowing. But I am the ultimate competitor. If you hang around my husband and I, we always say it's not a competition, but it's a competition. And that's everything we do. It's a constant battle between him and I and and competitively living. And there's this one girl who I've really tried over the years to love her. I've done everything I can to look at her and go, you know, you have some great qualities. I probably should be more like you. And I've prayed about it. And I'm like, God, she's so great. I'm so awful. I think she's fake. I don't even think that's real. And I know she does all these things for you, Lord, but I don't got it like that. You know, God, you hardwired me a little bit different. I don't have nice bones. She does. And I'm not gentle and kind and Susie Homemaker. She is. And so for years, I'm like, avoid this lady like the plague. Like anytime she's brought up, anytime she's talked about, I'm like wanting to flip the bird, but because I'm a Christian and love Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't. And so I just listen politely with my little knees crossed and just, yep, go ahead and talk about her so I can throw up when you're done talking about her. And we're going to talk about her together because some of you are like, oh, yeah, I felt that way too. The rest of you who are super filled with the Holy Spirit and love Jesus are like, I never think like that. Well, bless your soul. But we're going to talk about her together. Maybe just, this is going to be like counseling, like therapy. Like I just need my own chair so I can kick back and talk about this woman for you. And maybe you can help me through this and just hold my hand. And then at the end of the session, I'll pay you whatever I need to pay you so that I feel better at the end of it. But we're going to talk about her together. We're going to describe her. And she's actually found in the Bible. Go figure. I mean, God's like, here she is, girlfriend. You can read about her every day if you'd like. So we're going to read about her in Proverbs 31. All the men are like, get them, girl. I've been praying for this. I was hoping the Lord would bring you in. I was, this is it. Yes, 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 Lord. You heard my prayer. You saw my fasting and my faithfulness. And it says this in Proverbs 31. Everybody hold your breath. Here we go together. A good woman is hard to find. What does that even mean? God, what are you trying to say? You know, I worked really hard, and you're going to put that, just put me right on blast right in the first sentence. A good woman is hard to find. Okay, well, I'm one. He found me, okay? (laughs) And worth far more than diamonds, her husband trusts her without reserve and never has reason to regret it. Well, there's a checkmark, black mark on my name. (laughs) Never spiteful. You know what spiteful means? Unkind. I ain't met no woman who ain't ever been spiteful. (laughs) Don't even act like you ain't been. (laughs) 
never spiteful. Another word for spiteful is vengeful. Vengeance. Every woman loves a good vengeance. And I know we shouldn't, but there is something in it that's like, get him, God. Yep, get him, God. <laughs> Maybe that's just Yakima. Excuse me. <laughs> never spiteful. Treats him generously, so apparently the cold shoulder at night when I turn so abruptly is not considered generosity. All her life long, her life must have been short, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> like, they got married two days later, sorry honey, she's going with Jesus, because ain't nobody able to do that all her life long. She shops around for the best yarns and cottons and enjoys knitting and sewing. I love a good sale. I don't know nothing about knitting and sewing. And you know she did that by hand because they didn't have machines back then. But I know a good sale. So I at least got that check mark on my good list. Is I can find a good sale. A Macy's one-day sale once a week, every week. They make me believe that it's one time a year, but it's every single Wednesday or every single Thursday. And it's really good. So get in there. Actually, we have a pre-sale. So if you get in there, you can get ahead of everyone else trying to get in on the sale. So I know how to handle a good sale. She's like a trading ship that sails to faraway places, so I dream of going to faraway places, but not to nurture my family, to get far away from them. <laughs> I'm telling you girls, Pastor Shelby might have made an error bringing me in today. And brings back exotic, exotic surprises. Oh, I'll bring you a surprise. I'll bring you a surprise. She's up before dawn preparing breakfast, yeah right. And for her family and organizing her day, cereal works just fine in the Carter house. They've managed it now for 20 years, and they're doing just fine. She looks over a field and buys it. Then with the money she puts aside, plants a garden. Any profit I've made on anything, the last thing I've thought about is planting a garden. That's the very last thing I've thought of. First thing in the morning, she dresses for work, check, rolls up her sleeve, check, check, eager to get started, fail. <laughs> she senses the worth of her work and is in no hurry to call it quits at the end of the day. <laughs> Who's your boss, lady? <laughs> Who is your boss? She's skilled in the crafts of home. Girls, if you've ever seen me with a hot glue gun, it's lethal. So this whole crafting thing, it's so sweet and cute. And if you're a crafter, I will buy your stuff on Etsy, but I will not put it together for you because it will not look the way it's supposed to look. She's skilled in crafts, in the crafts of home and hearth, diligent in homemaking. I tried that once. I was 17, had my first son. I was 19, had my second son. I figured, you know what, it might be a good idea to stay home because they need a solid mom in the house to raise these godly men. Ever been 19 raising two kids as a stay-at-home mom? It's kind of a joke. My past, I was like this angry, bitter girl. Like I didn't, the drugs weren't my thing, the, the alcohol wasn't my thing, but the internal hot mess girl, bitter, angry, full of rage, don't know how to forgive, that was me. So you put that in the house with a toddler and a newborn. Bless my husband's heart. I'm like, yep, it's a great idea. I'm gonna stay home, honey. We can do this. He would come home. Guys, you might want to plug your ears, but I would, he would come home, and I would have nurse flaps down, oversized sweats on probably his, mismatched socks, hair ratted all the way up. Like, I don't even know what it looked like the last time I watched it. Laundry 
piled up on the couch to the point where we're like, we don't know if that's clean or dirty, so we would just pick through the pile and just hope that it smelled okay, like the smell test, like, it's good, throw it on, we're good. And he would come in, and I would, I would have the toddler in one hand, the newborn hanging in the other hand, and he's like, how's your day? How's my day? How's it look? And I would do this. Bye. And I would walk right on out of the house because I could not handle it. Now, as the years went on, I got a little bit more healthier, got into some counseling, praise the Lord, had some great pastor's wives who did it perfectly, read Proverbs 31 so she could remind me, and I got better at it. But in the beginning, it was a little rough. So I wouldn't say that I was diligent in homemaking. And she's quick to assist anyone in need, reaches out to help the poor. She doesn't worry about her family when it snows. Their winter clothes are all mended and ready to wear. She makes her own clothing. It just gets worse. (laughs) And dresses and colorful linens and silks. Her husband is greatly respected. Isn't that nice? Can I get some respect too, people? I'm just saying. When he deliberates with a city father, she designs gowns and sells them. What don't you do, Miss 31? What don't you do? Brings the sweater she knits to the dress shop. Oh, she's got more than enough time to take care of her family and everybody else's family. Her clothes are well-made and elegant, and she always faces tomorrow with a smile. I smile. (laughs) When she speaks, she has something worthwhile to say, and she always says it kindly. Oh, bless your heart. She keeps an eye on everyone in her household. Now, I can do that. There's this new app. If you're a mom, it's called Life360. You can download it, and you can literally stalk your children and your husband. It is amazing. Wherever they drive, wherever they go, and it's free, y'all. So my kids can say, I'm going to the store. And I can say, well, why did it take you extra five minutes? And why did you take a right on this road when you were supposed to? You can literally follow them. It's amazing. So if you don't have Life360, there you go. She keeps an eye on everyone in your household. I get extra check marks for that one. And keeps them all busy and productive. Her children respect and bless her. Her husband joins in with words of praise. Many women have done wonderful things, but you've outclassed them all. Charm can, be, can mislead and beauty soon fades. The woman to be admired and praised is a woman who lives in the fear of God. Give her everything she deserves. Festoon her life with praises. If the band could come, no one in this room can compete with that. And if you can, men, please open the doors right now. We're going to have a great exit. If any of you can, I can't. And so because I read things like this or see people like some of you, I can feel like, well, I'm disqualified or I'm not worthy. I'm not worth it. I can't be a good friend. I don't know how to be a good friend. I come into places like this. I'm insecure. I can't afford the clothes that she affords. I can't afford the life that she has. I don't have a husband like that. Like they come in here and it's all sweet and they have amazing husbands. You don't know the abusive man that I go home to. You don't know the alcoholic that I go home to. I know all her children greatly praise her. But if you saw what my kids are doing, I'm on my knees every night praying about my sons or praying about my daughters because they don't want to even call me. You don't even understand. And so it's easy to come in rooms like this full of women and avoid the conversation than to dive right on, right on in and realize that there are more people like you, you than not. That there are some of these women that we can actually greatly learn from. And the greatest travesty that we have is when women have gone through things in their 50s and 60s and withhold the information from those of us that are in our 20s and 30s who so desperately need the wisdom that you have. There are battles that we're fighting that you've already slayed. And we need you. And there's some of you in your older age who need young people to remind you that you're not finished yet. 
that you've still got life and vitality in you, that you've still got influence, that you've still got a purpose, that you've still got a plan. And if we don't learn to do this, we're going to be in big trouble. Because I tried to do life solo for a long time. If you starve yourself long enough, eventually you, you lose your appetite. So I'd starved myself of relationships for so long. I felt like I don't need them and no one understands me. So why would I even do it? Why do I even care? And I'm the firstborn of five children. I grew up with a mom who was an alcoholic, had men in and out of our house every weekend. And I had convinced myself through protecting my younger siblings that I didn't need anyone. I don't need you. I did it myself before, I'll do it by myself again. I get married and I brought it into my marriage. I married a man who cheated on me all the way up until two days before we got married. We give our lives to Jesus. A year later, he confesses about everything he did until we got married. And I felt like, bye. We can live in the same house. We can go to church. I don't need you. My appetite for relationships was gone. I knew I could be the one person in my life who would not let me down. And if I did, I could handle it. And so I spent years alone. Avoiding rooms like this. Because I don't want you to judge me. Because I know how I'm already judging you. So I figure if that's the way I think, that must be the way everyone thinks. And so I don't want to go into green rooms. I don't want to go to women's events. I don't want to go to conferences. Because you're all fake. You're all hypocrites. You're all clicky. We use that a lot as women. They're in a click. They're too good for me. Are they too good for you? Or do you just avoid them because you don't know how to just let your guard down and be loved? I didn't know how to be loved. I put up walls and perimeters so I didn't have to get hurt again. Some of you growing up abused know what I'm talking about. Or spouses that have walked out on you. You get to a point where you just put up walls. And instead of having thick skin and a soft heart, your heart has become callous and hard. No one gets in. Nothing goes in and nothing goes out. You don't let God love you. You don't let your pastors love you. You don't let your spouse love you. Your love for your kids is conditional until they make you mad and then you shut the door. This is what we live in. We're starved for real relationship. And we look in the world's example, and it's not great, but we still see thousands, even millions of people cheering on a woman they don't know. And so they're holding up this sign, I'm with her. And then some stuff starts coming out about the candidates. Go figure. Welcome to politics. They do digging. 2018, you could pull up an old conversation that was tape recorded in 1970, and it comes back to resurface about whoever. And so all this stuff starts coming out about the candidates. And they started ripping up the signs, I'm with her only to replace them with, I'm still with her. We don't do that in the church. We don't do that. You backbite me. You fall into sin. You talk about my family. 
You didn't say hi to me in the lobby. You had that event and birthday party and didn't invite me. We rip up I'm with her signs and don't hold up one that says I'm still with her. We just walk away. We don't know how to forgive. We don't know how to embrace. We don't know how to support. We don't know how to cheer on. It's easier to do life alone, so we think. So we scroll through social media, not to celebrate the accolades and accomplishments, not to look at friends from high school that we haven't seen. We get on social media to get bitter and frustrated and envious and judgmental, and then we screenshot and we show our friends, can you believe this? Can you believe this? And we're quicker to spread lies than truth. We're quicker to gossip than celebrate. We like a juicy story about someone failing because it makes us feel better. See, I told you she wasn't that good. See, I told you she wasn't who you thought she was. Oh, yep, I knew that pastor. Oh, yep, I knew that pastor's wife. I went through seasons of hell with my children. Literally, it feels like that. My older two. You know what sucks? Is very few women came to me and said, April, for years you have had my back. You have prayed for me. You have loved me at my worst. You have gone through stuff with me. Very few women came to me and said, I've got your back. I am praying for you. I can't imagine how hard this is. It's not just pastor's wives. When you went through your darkest hour, how many people called you? How many people said, how are you getting through that? even when it's your own mistake. We don't lift people back up. We like to just keep them down to prove a point, to feel better about our own insecure self. So you've got women two seats down from you going through hell with a husband who comes to church every weekend but is battling addiction, and all she needs is you to reach across and say, I got you. I'm sorry. But we'd rather just talk about her through social media or DM our friend. Did you see so-and-so? I saw her husband at this place. Well, why were you there? We don't have each other's back. And it's not what God intended. How do I know? Because we see Jesus intervening most, like, over and over. He goes to a woman at a well who was not living right, okay? She was not Susie Homemaker. She was not Proverbs 31. She was not a saint. She had five husbands and was living with a man in sin that was not her husband currently. And Jesus shows up and he sits beside her, offering her hope. Mentions her sin, yes, but not to humiliate her, to cover her, to give her hope and a future. We see it happen again where church people drag a woman out of her house who was having an adulterous relationship and they're ready to stone her, they're ready to completely berate her. And what does Jesus do? He said, those of you, (coughs) excuse me, who have not sinned, cast the first stone. And she's left in the dust. And he looks her in the eye. He says, where are your accusers now? Do they not condemn you? 
Neither do I. Go and sin no more. We're so quick to just write people off. We don't think, what are they going through? We don't think, why did you react that way? We don't think, why are you feeling that way? We just immediately look at a social media post, a CNN post, a Fox post, a Washington post, a New York Times post, and we cast judgment because we so bad judge ourselves because we don't know how to be loved. So if I don't love me, I can't love you. If I don't let God love me, I can't love anyone else. This is what's happening in the life of our churches. This is what's happening in the life of our women. In Proverbs 18, 24, it says, Friends come and friends go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. If you'd be really honest with me, and I asked you, How many of you in the room have two best friends? Actually, we'll just say one. How many of you in the room have one best friend that you've had since kindergarten, first, second grade? Lift your hand. Maybe 20%. Maybe 25%. That used to be more common, where we could be friends for a lifetime. I'd have your back, you'd have mine, but that's not the case anymore. Loving people is messy. Forgiving people sucks. Overlooking each other's wrongs is like eating rotten eggs. At least it is for me. But you cannot give what you do not have. There's some of you in the room, if I'm honest, you just don't believe that God loves you that way. I believe in God. I believe he can save me from my sin, but I don't know that he really loves me, like would choose me, would have my back. And I'm telling you, he does. He proved it. He gave gave you his absolute greatest gift. He held nothing back. He didn't even reserve his own son. He so desperately wanted to be in relationship with you that he gave up the thing he loves most to prove to you how much he loves you. I can't tell you enough how much we need each other. This isn't a feminist movement or women power or I am woman, hear me roar. It's about hand in hand doing life because life is hard. Life hurts. Our kids rebel. We get bad news from a doctor. Our husbands bump their heads. Transitions happen in the workplace and in church. And we need each other. But we're far too busy competing with one another. I see it in lobbies everywhere I go. Clicked up in little pockets. Not letting anybody else in. Well, not me. I'm not like that. Well, then then help us all out and bring us together. We need you. We need you. I need a volunteer. I need someone. Is there anybody in the room that has been divorced? If so, come up. Anybody in the room that's been married more than 20 years, never divorced? Come up. You guys can just stand right here. 
Anybody 22 and under? Come up. Anybody 60 or over? Come up. Anybody battling cancer or an illness, any type of illness right now? Tiff, you can come up for arthritis. Any single mamas? Come up. Bring your baby. We'll just line up. Anybody battle an addiction, not currently, but ever, and overcome it? Come up. Any homemakers? Come up. Anybody been able to unhave children? Come up. I want you to look at all the women behind me. They're all different. We've got a woman up here that's been married for more than 20 years, and we've got a, a mama holding a beautiful baby, doing it on her own. We've got some that have overcome an addiction and some that will never know what that feels like. We got some that have had life struggles that other ones in the row could learn so much from. And the truth is, they're more alike than what they look. They're women, desperate for hope, desperate for healing, wanting authentic relationships, wanting to be loved, wanting to be whole, wanting to be healed. And these women are in your churches. These women are in your workplaces. These women are in your schools. And though they look like they may not need you, they need you. And you may act like you don't need them, but you need them. The moment I said, is there any single mamas in here? And the one in the room with the tiniest baby raises her hand, my heart broke. Because I need the reminder that I am so blessed to have a husband at home. Even when, even when I want to throat punch him. And she needs to be reminded that she's not bad, that God's not angry, that this is not punishment, that he's not finished with her, that he still has a good plan and a purpose for her and her child, that her best days are still ahead of her. Her best days are still ahead. <laughs> Tiffany needs to stand up here with arthritis that she's been battling since she was 16. with others who are completely healthy, knowing that God is a, a, the ultimate healer, that he is a physician, and he cares, and he can still heal today. The one under 20, 22, needs to look at the one over 60 and get advice. How'd you do it? 
because I know there were dark days. I know there were days you wanted to quit because even at 22, there's days I want to quit right now. So how did you keep going? How did you make God a priority? How did you make his house a priority? Please teach me. Don't neglect me. And then one over 60 needs to look at the 22 and say, help me to be full of vitality. Help me to be vigorous. Help me to get my fight back. Help me to want to love your generation because I don't understand what you're doing. It doesn't make sense. When I was 22, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have Instagram. We didn't have all this technology and it frustrates me, but I don't want to be frustrated with your generation. I want to help. So teach me. Teach me to help think like you a little bit so I can reach your generation. We need each other. Can we put up signs that say, I'm with her? Well, do you know what she did? Yep, I'm still with her. But did you know that she was having sex out of wedlock? And did you know that she's, even the guy she's living with now isn't her husband? I'm still with her. I'm still with her. Well, isn't that a sin? Isn't God mad? God is full of grace and mercy. And if I neglect her, who's going to teach her? Who's going to show her? Who's going to love her and show her her value? It is our responsibility, church, to have each other's back, to stop jumping on the judgment bandwagons and start holding up signs that says, I'm still, I'm still. Well, did you hear about that, Pastor? Yes, and I go to my knees every night praying over him and his family. I've learned one thing about enemies, that it's easy when we say pray for our enemies to just simply go, God, bless him. Bless him, Lord. It's an entirely different thing to get on your knees and say, God, that girl that tore me up on Facebook slandered my family with things that were not true, took members of the church with her and convinced them that it was me and it wasn't. God bless her health. Promote her family. Bless her sons. God, may they grow up to not repeat history, but make history. Meet every need, every resource. Give them healthy friendships to encourage them and lift their arms, God. God, I pray favor over them. Expand their reach, God. Ever prayed like that? For an enemy? It changes how you see them. Because you realize he loves them the same way he loves you. And there have been seasons in my life, many of them, where I did those cheap prayers. Bless them, Lord. At least I'm not cussing about them. Bless them. And God convicted me and said, are you still with them? That doesn't mean when people hurt us that we jump back into stupid relationships and end up getting hurt again, but I'm still with them, meaning I'm still fighting for them. I still want them to win even when it hurts. That's hard. But I realized as I sat by my bed and I began to pray, my heart began to break and I began to see them and their stories and their past the pain that they've endured, the pain that they're enduring, the things that they're going through is not against me. It's time, ladies. 
put down your judgment card. Pick up your I'm still with her card. Ladies, you can be seated. Thank you. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to pray for you today. If you'd be honest and you would say, I am not good at this. My own insecurities have got the best of me. I don't care if you're a pastor's wife. I don't care if you're a leader, a volunteer. It's your first time in the building. You say, God, give me eyes to see. I want to be a I'm still with her type of girl. I want to see women as beautiful and powerful and strong. I want to be an encourager. I want to be a celebrator. I do not want to be bitter. I do not want to be judgmental. I really want to be a lover of people. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you'd be honest, you say, that's me, I want that. Will you just lift your hand so I know who I'm praying with and for? Go ahead and put your hands down. God, I pray for my sisters. Jesus, even today, this afternoon, as we open our social medias or our emails or stop by Starbucks or a restaurant, that you would give us a new lens, that we would see the brokenness and the hurt, we would see the desire to be needed and known and valued and loved, that we would take off our judgment cap, And you would fill our hearts full of grace and mercy the same way that you've done that for us. God, I come against insecurity. I come against self-loathing. Jesus, we want to be more like you, willing to lay our lives down for a friend, willing to lay our lives down for women. That we can be full of humility and grace that we would be swift to listen and slow to speak, that we would not have a sharp tongue, but we'd have arms that would be wide open for embrace. Help us to love God and be the beautiful women that you have designed us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.